Welcome to Inviting Doom, a podcast about faith, bad theology, and stepping into ideas marked as dangerous for the soul. I'm Sarah, one of your hosts. And I'm Krista. We'd love you to join us as we unlearn old beliefs, navigate current issues, and explore the previously unexplored religious frameworks in our lives. First. Yeah, it's going to be a little crunchy, <laughs> but we'll get through it. We will. We will. Um, so we have just started to think of doing a podcast because we wanted to talk about our own experiences and um, process the world around us. So we're going to talk yeah. a bit about faith and life mm-hmm. and whatever else comes up. Whatever else. Well, I knew when we first met because we met at school mm-hmm. in a class and we were probably paired in a group together or something initially and then we started chatting kind of in between classes and during class but it was pretty quick that I knew that you were very like-minded and had a very similar history to me yeah and then it was maybe the third week where I was like I think we're gonna be best friends it's sort of that connection where you feel like you already have been friends for a long time yeah and so I think that our conversations have been really good because you understand some of my thought processes because our histories are so similar. The inner workings of the brain. (laughs) Yeah. And you understand my pathologies and my neuroses. (laughs) Yeah. So that's been really helpful. (laughs) Um, We had a friend, a mutual friend who said that on chat systems, uh, when chatting in a group, she couldn't tell who was who was speaking if it was Krista or myself so that's third party testament (laughs) to our similarities maybe we should have a third person in our podcast who's not like-minded to challenge us but well they'll be our guests (laughs) yeah that's true that they'd be good guests but so far I think that it's been really good for both of us to be able to unpack some of our our life and our thoughts and whatnot from a similar background even though we're going through different things and we have different lives Mm. to feel I think it's feeling somewhat normal and I know that a lot of people have um, found similar groupings on the internet or Twitter who are deconstructing faith and the reality that they grew up with Um, and there's a lot of I think um comfort in finding Mm. fellow people yeah but actually digging into like how your brain approached a thing a specific thing a verse uh whatever yeah um and and going from there and being like oh we actually processed that in a very similar way yeah and and internalize that in a very similar way even when you said deconstructing faith like Mm. um the faith-based side of me like has red flags with that term because then it feels like if I'm deconstructing my faith I'm not staying true to the word yeah and I shouldn't be picking it apart like there's almost like a no-no yeah with that even though I think that what really deconstructing faith is is investigating your faith and not necessarily tearing it down saying okay I'm gonna get rid of this and throw this in the trash it's really figuring out your faith for yourself and not just prescribing to whatever has been told to you without question. And I think that that's it. I think, you know, obviously deconstructing means a lot of things for a lot of people. And some people, at least from what I've read, um, they find their own environment so toxic Mm -hmm. that it's like a bad relationship that, you know, there's points where there are things you can salvage when you look at people like Rachel Held Evans and stuff that she worked on her process was reconstruction Mm -hmm. and some people's deconstruction leads them towards reconstruction and finding those things that are healthy to them and that are more true to them Mm -hmm. um and like you said there always is that red flag because you from the beginning are always told that relativity Mm -hmm. is the devil like the kind of idea that truth is relative that there's no fixed truth right um is like the worst of the worst. It's humanistic. Yeah. It's human focused. And yeah. and how would you ever know what's right or wrong? Or well, right, yeah. And instead, like 
what the message has always been, this is the Bible and this is what's true mm. and anything besides this is false. And you don't think about that when they say that to you initially as a young person that everybody is interpreting that in a different way. And so you don't actually know as you get older what which part is true because you want the black and whites. It would be so convenient to have black and white truths to lean on, you know, and like I wish that I had that kind of rigidity in my trauma seasons where I could just lean back on to yeah. quote unquote the truth and stick with that. But as we find out when you go through things in life, that's when you really realize I don't know that this works in a black and white But world. isn't that a funny thing that it's that double-edged thing where the reason you find yourself having to do the deconstructive work yeah. is because the black and white that you were handed mm -hmm. fails. Yeah. But then in the midst of all, it all, you're like, I just want that comfort of the black and white. Yeah. Like it's easy because yeah. you don't have to think, you don't have to process, you don't have yeah. to... Um, you know, there's only one path forward because this is the thing yeah. you do. You you never leave your husband. You never, you know, spank right. your child. You never do. Or actually, it would have been reversed. Yeah, it would have been reversed. <laughs> Depending been, on how you grew up, there are child. certain yeah. things. Yeah. 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 Um, probably not a laughing matter for a lot of people, but, um, but yeah. yeah. But, you know, there are clear prescriptions for everything. Yeah. Um, and then you get out into the real world and it's like, oh, there's actually not. Yeah. And you've got to weigh it for yourself. Yeah. How about you start, Krista, okay. and think about sort of the first time that that black and white system started to kind of crumble for you. Or at least yeah. shift, maybe. Um, I can think of a couple really big events in my life where it really started to affect me. The first one was m my mother dying. And I grew up in a super Christian home. Um, it was charismatic Protestant. Uh, we grew up in the vineyard, if you're familiar mm -hmm. with that church, kind of like the common day Bethel in Reading mm -hmm. um, at the time. And um, I was taught that God was a healer and that his heart was to heal. And if you prayed and had faith, um, you could take people to the elders of the church, anoint them with oil, all these things, but that ultimately God is a miraculous God. And um, I felt like we as Christians had uh, special treatment because we had access to God. And so I had never really experienced true pain in my life because I had a really good sheltered upbringing like my parents didn't fight I don't have a memory of them saying an unkind word to me my siblings and I kind of bickered but like it was just this idealistic thing so I didn't have people who were dying or dealing with mental illness or addictions like none of these major issues that we think of today in the world in the, in the <laughs> quote-unquote world in the evil world and so my mother gets sick with a terminal disease and it was a bummer but it was also like well we'll just pray about this mm. And we prayed about it for years and years, um, and then she got progressively worse and then ultimately died. Mm. And during that time, even when she was in ICU, we had um, people from the church come, and there was a scenario where we had a missionary fly in, and they landed in Vancouver, and the person who was picking them up from the airport was like, I had this word from God that there's a lady who's dying of like liver disease, and I'm supposed to go and pray for her, and she'll be healed. Well, lo and behold, my mom has liver disease, and she's in the hospital, so they come and pray, and we're like, oh, well, this is the miracle. This is the, the 11th hour miracle kind of thing, and they come and pray, and nothing happens, and she dies. And that really shattered my faith a lot whereas like I have prayed I have sought you my mother has been a good Christian like all these things and I didn't have the outcome that I felt like was um, promised and there are certainly stories in the Bible too where other people die but like I felt like that shouldn't have happened to us not to my family not to mm -hmm. these Christians not to these faithful people God should have been faithful to us and um, it really rocked my world that he might not be, he, God, might not be who I think that he is. Mm. And at that time, I really, my prayer was, reintroduce yourself to me for who you really are. Mm. Because I don't think that I know you. 
And if I don't, the person who I thought that you were, if you're not this person, mm-hmm. there's an, there's no point in me following you mm-hmm. unless I actually know the truth. Totally. Because I apparently don't know the truth. Yeah. And I'm not really willing to continue to give my life up and serve you and all these kind of things. I was working at the church. I was in a ministry job yeah. full time. And it was just like, I can't keep doing this to myself if you can't even show up for me in my time of need and huge need, you know, drastic need. So it was at that event that things kind of started shifting. And it was very subtle because I was still in a church bubble where people are encouraging you and saying the right Christian cliches, trying to keep you on track. But um, it began the journey for me where my faith had been rattled and it wasn't going to work for me to just go along with the crowd. And I think there's like a built-in, there's like a built-in safeguard that the belief systems that we grew up in, like we uh, my church was Pentecostal, and so we had the Vineyard songs yeah, and everything. Yeah. So yeah. we're very similar in that sense of like influence and ideas of anointing the sick, and you yeah. know, go up to the elders, bring people forward. Um, God heals; He wants to heal. Yeah. It's only things that get in the way, maybe yeah. demons or or whatever yeah. it is, or your lack of faith, or you're not saying the right words. Yeah. yeah. Which, on a side note, and maybe to talk about this some other time, but it's sort of a really populist imagining of God. It's like God is your strong man and anything that you know gets in the way of of the strong man succeeding mm-hmm. isn't because the strong there's an issue with the strong man it's yeah. because there's an issue with some subversive undercurrent or some yeah. like someone going behind his back or or some right. like alternate force that is right. you know messing up the plans mm-hmm. um and that's populism but you know I'm thinking of all the ways in which you're protected or or prevented from thinking about the deep things of your faith. Like, who is yeah. this God I serve? And yeah. who, who, if you if you aren't who who I think you are, I would mm-hmm. like to actually know who you are, yeah. because you're discouraged from even thinking that way. You're discouraged yeah. from asking those questions because um, it's almost seen as a that you have no faith. Yeah. So what if God killed your mother or allowed your mother yeah. to die? Yeah. Do you think that you like Job, who dare mm. you, how dare you ask me? Right. So what if all your household has died and you have boils all over yeah. your body? Yeah. I'm the God, I'm God and who you know made the, you know, yeah. oceans and the Leviathan mm-hmm. and whatever. Um, and so at any point you have that nerve wracking doubt in yourself of like, yeah is God actually nice or does he actually care? Yeah. You know, you're just told that you're told like sit down and shut up. Yeah. God is God. God has a plan that you don't understand and it's going to be for the best thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. And even just comments. Um, I think that the people in the church respond with really great intentions in really woundful ways. So one of the main cliche statements that was was said to me over and over again in the season was, well, you can trust that everything happens for a reason, which isn't actually biblical. You know, like, I don't know of any verse that actually says that. And if, if you prescribe to that, then you're saying that there's some purpose that's so um, godly or holy that it it means that my mother had to die for me to learn a lesson or like her life is more valuable than that, you know? So the church can give you this kind of second wounding where you're already in pain and you're already kind of floundering and you want to investigate your faith, but then you don't actually have room to do that with love and acceptance. It's more of like a a beat down of, well, you need to align yourself with the black and white truth of what I think is true mm-hmm. or, you know, get out <laughs> kind of thing. You yeah. can't be friends with us. You can't sit with us. <laughs> you You're don't even go here. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like the mean girls thing. And yeah. And the other thing too, is just like you, 
you're already in pain and you want answers and the people that are supposed to be your community, mm. they can't actually give you those answers because they don't know them. Yeah. And so they give you these prepackaged things that they don't realize are worse for you than just sitting with you and saying, this is really painful and yeah. I'm so sorry you're going we through this. We actually can't explain this. Yeah. Yeah. Because it doesn't make sense in the, in the faith that we the have. The faith that we've offered you does not account for what's happening to you and we can't reconcile those two yeah it's confusing and i don't understand what's going on i'm so sorry yeah yeah there are answers to everything and i think that again it's like they either sit down and shut up god is bigger he has a plan he has you know he's gonna work for the good of all who love him you know um and like you said like what good what good is the death of people? Yeah. Like how wayward yeah. or strayed am I that I need some kind of lesson that yeah. requires the death yeah. of my mother? Totally. Or, so there's a lot of shame there. There's a lot of yeah. like worrying that you're somehow on the wrong track or there was some cosmic purpose right. that your mother died, yeah. which is supposed to bring you healing or yeah. some sort of comfort. Mm-hmm. But it's not comforting at all because then you're left with more questions than yeah, what you a lot went into of questions and the whole idea of focusing on heaven um in a season like that where well she's at a better place that sentiment she's at a better place this is better for her anyway mm-hmm. and um i think that again that's a, a statement that has really good intentions but they don't realize how wounding that is when you think well what about me What's better for me? Is it better for me to live my life without my mother? Is it better that she won't know her grandchildren when I ever have them? Is it better that her presence and her livelihood and her charisma and all of the good that she brought to life is is stolen because of a disease? Like, it doesn't make sense, you know? And so, anyway, that was a bunch of (laughs) rambling for me to kind of package up just this one scenario that happened over the course of probably 10 years from when I started fervently praying Mm. for this change in my mother's health to her dying to me trying to figure out how to grieve and how do you grieve when your whole community is telling you that you should be happy that she's in a better place and you're not happy and you're you want to turn to your faith because that's what has brought you joy and peace but your faith is stolen from you when you don't have huge components making sense so you cannot turn to a god that you do not trust anymore you don't feel like you know and you don't know if he's loving and so now you're alone and you've lost your god and you've lost your mother and And your your community community cannot support you yeah or they just don't have the well of they knowledge the they don't have the tools and so you're i was kind of left with myself and my thoughts and <laughs> that was about it yeah you know and driving in my car was probably the most therapeutic thing for me it didn't always feel therapeutic because it was like i would be screaming at god sometimes or just scream like um saying prayers in a very rageful way <laughs> Or songs would mm-hmm. come on and it would somehow articulate something for me that I couldn't put my mm. own words to. And so I'd sing these songs on the radio, but I'm bawling at the same time. You don't really understand the connection. But it was just like these alone times. Mm. Um, and then it really was years down the road when I met someone like you or a different friend where you can actually start actually having conversations mm. that are real and aren't dependent on me aligning to some sort of uh, rigid structure for our friendship to work you know like can we have a conversation and can I be real with you and even if you don't agree Mm. is there love and relationship still present right totally yeah well and that's an interesting thing too the 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 having real conversations um and I've said this a lot before to other people but this idea that your purpose in evangelical Christianity, specifically like in our more charismatic strains of yeah. evangelicalism, is to become nothing of yourself. Right. You always want to pray the verse that there would be more of God and less of you. Yeah. And um, going through some old journals and stuff, it, it is a constant theme where I myself viewed myself as a hindrance 
um, mm-hmm. and as a blockade to whatever God wanted to do. Right. And I could either get on board and sort of fall in line with what he's doing, mm-hmm. which is total adherence to that structure that you're handed yeah. and those black and white truths. You either obey these and mm-hmm. you fall in line mm-hmm. or you're a stumbling block and you're actually in yeah. the way of what God's trying to do. Right. So my constant prayer was always be less of me like can I just be nothing and wish myself away Mm -hmm. until I'm fully absorbed by God's perfect love grace joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness self-control once those things fully overtake my whole body like a Mm -hmm. parasite and I no longer exist then I won't hurt anybody I won't but that's not you can't have relationships. You cannot have functional relationships if you're not you, if you're someone else. Yeah. And this idea of always trying to diminish yourself and, and not trust in your own senses and not yeah. trust in your own, the ways that you're processing things mm-hmm. and the way that you're feeling pain or the way right. you're always trying to shove that off onto God. So he's supposed to do the work. He, he's he got his agenda and his plan for mm-hmm. your life, for everybody else's life, and you don't do the work. You just trust that he's going to change you. You yeah. just have to be submissive enough mm-hmm. and willing enough mm-hmm. um, to become nothing of yourself and let him fully take over the sort of the arms and the legs yeah. and the brain. Yeah. Um, like you said before about um, when we were talking earlier about, you know, holding every thought captive to Christ. Yeah. So every movement of your heart, every thought has to be fully absorbed into the Jesus sphere. Yeah. And what's operating is like a mimicky version of what would Jesus do? What mm-hmm. would Jesus say? Mm-hmm. How would Jesus respond? But it's not actually how Jesus would re- respond or say. It's a cultural interpretation, like yeah. a local North American yes. socio-economical political yeah. interpretation of yeah. what they think Jesus said 2,000 years ago. Right packaged into this thing of do's and don'ts for your life Um, how are you supposed to have a relationship with humans that way how are you supposed to be a human yourself how are you supposed to go to people's pain how are you supposed to address what's going on in your own life your own heart Mm -hmm. to even trust yourself Um, when all you're thinking is how would this construction of Jesus respond Mm -hmm. what would this construction of Jesus think about these thoughts I'm thinking right now Mm -hmm. Um, how can I be less of what I'm thinking right now and conform to this construction of Jesus and what he would do or what he wants me to do Um, you can't have friendships I didn't have any friendships I, I I wanted to I remember gleefully like giggling to myself my first year of um University. No, it was my second year of university outside of my two years of Bible college. I did a sandwich thing where I started in jazz program uh, my first year. Mm-hmm. I stayed at home and was working with the youth group and whatever, but went to local like branch college of jazz. Then I was like, I'm going to learn more about the Bible. I went away mm-hmm. for two years uh, mm-hmm. Bible college. Um, and my first year out of Bible college uh, in um, in the ja- in my second year of the jazz program, I remember having being in this band and they were all of course non-christians and mm-hmm. it was like i was like giggling to myself like, oh, i have non-christian friends like you yeah. know like, like, oh my god you know because there was this brief moment of feeling like oh what if they actually like me like mm-hmm. outside of church and outside yeah. of everything um because i'd never really had non-christian friends before i had friends that i was always trying to convert yeah that's a whole you different know that's package. a whole different package yeah right well i want you to tell me for you on your side your upbringing and what what came about for you that made you start deconstructing your faith or shifted your faith i think i think it's similar to you in the sense that um you're handed a certain idea of god and what he's supposed to do for you. You kind of enter a contract. Mm-hmm. You give up your life. Mm-hmm. You give up your um, the rights to your thought, the rights to who you're going to marry, who you're allowed to love, who, uh, what kind of jobs you choose, yeah. all of these things in exchange for this thing that God is going to like look out for you. Mm-hmm. And even if you are being tortured and you're gonna die yeah. it's you still have to assume that it's this for is for the best, best. yeah <laughs> so yeah. your fingernails can be yeah. pulled out and it's somehow you're you're programmed to he's go, working all this things for something. the good of those who love him <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who have been called according, according to, to his, his purpose. purpose yeah yeah <laughs> so you're like you could be in your worst 
possible life ever, but somehow God is going to work through it. Yeah. And that's your thing because you don't trust yourself. No. And you don't know the big picture and he's doing something that you totally. can't see. Yeah. You're just a minion who's like yeah. a loved minion, a cute yes. minion, but you're, you know, you yeah. are one small part of like what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was similar. Like, so I had gone to Bible college and um, that was a great, probably first step for me because I'd grown up Pentecostal, small town, um, and I had never experienced anything other than Pentecostal version of faith. Right. So Bible college, the Bible college that I went to uh, was in Saskatchewan, and it was transdenominational. So there were like Mennonites and Catholics Mm -hmm. and whatever, and I remember being very indignant that one of the first few services that we went to, the mandatory services, (laughs) I was like, I was like one of the only few raising my hands while we were worshiping, and everyone else was like what is this? Is this like yeah. what people in the prairies do is also conservative and refined. Yeah. yeah. And sort of the, the pride very quickly, like how on fire I was for God. Right. The pride went to humility fairly quickly when you start talking to people and you realize, Oh, this Catholic also loves Jesus. And this, this Mennonite <laughs> Why don't you like, raise your hands? Exactly. If you really love Jesus, you would raise your hands. Totally. <laughs> There's the only one way to love Jesus. Yeah. And that is on your face, bawling in front of everybody. Yes. Um, and so that really challenged me in even just that slight deconstruction of there are different ways to approach worship or yeah. approach God. Yeah. That allowed me a little bit of wiggle room, I think. Okay. Uh, but then I, the thing, the big thing was similar to you. It's like your love and your loss. Yeah. And God doesn't do anything about it. Mm. And in the jazz program, there was this guy that I really liked. We were best friends for ages. We like always hung out. We knew each other's every sort of likes and dislikes. Mm. And um, he would make me like mixtapes of music he thought I liked. And and we never dated because um, he was an atheist and I was evangelical. And we Mm -hmm. both knew that I was like an incompatible path. (laughs) And I remember that whole time like praying so hard for his salvation. And I remember... Um, there being a moment where the paths had to either converge or depart. Yeah. And that was, for me, it wasn't on his end. I think he would have been more than happy to sort of try and muck through friendship or whatever. As weird as my beliefs were about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, But on my end, it was like I felt God was telling me, you need to walk away and you need to. And this was, I had never kissed anyone. I had never, like... We're talking, we probably, well, not in all areas, mm-hmm. but I'd never been drunk. I'd never done drugs. I'd never sworn in my life. I'd yeah. never broken curfew. I'd, I've got, like, basically straight A's. I'd never yeah. had a boyfriend. I'd never, you know, and so I had felt this really strong calling of of what I thought was God at the time, saying, you know, walk away, trust me, kind of trust me with it. Yeah. And, um which is the normal message we've already talked about. Yeah. Very strong message. Yeah. Just trust God, right? Yeah. Trust me with it. So for eight months, it literally, I saw him a uh, final day. He didn't know what was going on. And it was sort of like, surprise, I can't see you anymore. Mm. I made you some cookies. I hope this <laughs> goes well <laughs> with you. And that was it. We hung out the day together. And then that was like the end of it. I was just like, we're now we can't contact each other. And, wow. and, uh, poor guy like oh my gosh this probably all made sense in my christianese brain of like just hand it to god and you know he'll mold something beautiful or whatever yeah and um eight months walked away for eight months Mm -hmm. i was depressed i um prayed i fasted i everything and um nope he never you know came to jesus he never Mm -hmm. um that was it. That was just like our friendship was just terminated. Yeah. Um, this was this person that I loved. And and through it all, I was very strong. You know, you're encouraged to be the strong Christian. And I yeah. was. I have journals of like, you know, where are you taking me, God? And the hope that you're giving me. And mm-hmm. I, um, but really at the end, when that doesn't come through, I was so emotionally exhausted with that kind of that was probably then about almost like five or six years of praying and hope mm-hmm. and still hoping mm-hmm. you hope like hope deferred makes the heart sick, yeah. you know, that yeah. sort of, um, proverb, right. Mm-hmm. And it's just this constant hoping where you give everything to God and you're like, I've done everything right. And mm-hmm. I have 
you know, laid everything down at your feet. Mm -hmm. um, and you say you want to save everybody and you, you know, whatever. And then it doesn't work out how you want it. Now, yeah. obviously, this is no comparison to your um, mom passing away and the heart wrench that is a daughter losing her mother. But it's that same kind of a thing of the trust relationship. Yeah. Where you're expecting certain things from God yeah. because you've been asked certain things and yeah. you've done them to the T. Yeah. And then nothing comes of it. You know. Yeah. And I think that that is tough when you're in your 20s or earlier or any time <laughs> yeah. to think that you're in an understood contract, yeah. but you're actually not like yeah. where the new Testament would say, like Jesus would say, you know, you're my friends. Like I call mm -hmm. you my friends and you're like, yeah. okay, well this doesn't feel like a friendship. Right. You know, this feels like yeah. a master servant yeah. friendship. Yeah. And so I think that starting to question that contract is kind of, maybe the start of it all right yeah absolutely yeah. yeah and I was just gonna say when you said it doesn't compare to a daughter losing a mother I think that it does compare like I think that we all have these stories and then we do this comparative suffering <laughs> we think oh but I my pain wasn't like that or it wasn't that bad but really when you're walking through that pain you said that when you walked away you were depressed and you were sad and like those are signs that you mm -hmm. have you're grieving and that you have lost someone you lost your best friend mm -hmm. and you lost someone that you loved and then you told yourself a story that it was all for this greater purpose and that God was going to do something with it. And then it didn't happen the way you did. Mm -hmm. And so in the same way, you had a very similar process to me. And even though your story is different, it's still the same. And I think a lot of the pain, too, is that... Um it's not just the person you lose, yeah. but it is that questioning of that contract. And it is that yeah. shaking of that mm -hmm. faith. And there's some sort of big badge, I think, that Christians tend to give themselves if they can never change. And they're unwavering mm -hmm. in their faith. And you're mm -hmm. like, I don't know actually how human you are if you don't waver. And I don't actually yeah. know how... Um, good your life is if you never change because yeah. like you if you get new information you have to change or you die yeah so if yeah. you're not ever adapting to new information mm -hmm. information and you're not ever um wavering right. i don't really know what is your reality like i'm well, not yeah. really sure and like faith when I think about faith, faith is something that is uncertain. If it was something that was provable, it would be a fact. But faith is, you know, the hope of what is unseen. And so we have these ideas that we we know it all. And the thing is, if you were so certain and believed your faith without question, you would probably be crazy. Yes. Like, in scientific, biological terms, <laughs> you would be that person who yeah. is spouting conspiracy and whatever else. Mm. It wouldn't actually be sane to not question. But in, a, in the church world that we grew up in, you, you don't question. It's actually a very weak faith because you feel like if you question, it won't stand up to it or mm. that you'll fall away instead of actually taking the time to critically think for yourself and create a faith for yourself mm -hmm. and a real relationship with God if you're going to have that yeah you know and I would argue that you don't have a real relationship with God if you have not doubted and if you have not walked through um hard times that shattered your faith and rebuilt them and all and that. I would say even shedding a lot of things that are handed to you because yeah. I think if you do talk to people and we've all, we both came from communities, of course there's a lot of pain there. Everybody's gone through pain and every, yeah. every human has gone through loss or whatever. But the, I think the crunch is that there's always this pressure to just pick up mm -hmm. whatever you had before the pain. Yes. And that's like, okay, it's okay if you have pain. Yeah. We understand that. Yeah. But you still have to conform to and believe the things yeah. that you did before the pain happened. Yeah. And that's where it gets tricky, I think. Well, and it's impossible. Well, it is. It's impossible. And the people that do, like you said, maybe it starts to... you because you're no longer dealing with reality. If reality is pain, so mm -hmm. you're in reality and you have real life happen to you. Yeah. But that actually doesn't change how you 
relate either to other people, mm-hmm. to um, the reality that is you practicing your faith every day, reading the Bible, whatever. Yeah. If that actually doesn't have any effect on your pre-pain life, yeah, I don't really understand what what is the pain for. Right. Like if there's yeah. no growth process yeah. or if there's no, it's just to say that you kept your faith intact. The same faith yeah. that you had before. Well, and it's a comfort, right? Like it's what you've known and it's the the pre-traumatic event or pre and post you have like these pre and post people that you are Mm -hmm. and you just want yourself back you miss your identity you know like that was the hugest thing when my faith was kind of shattered is I didn't recognize myself Mm -hmm. I I didn't know how to behave with these new set of ideas and things that I couldn't reconcile it's like the new you know? wine in the old wineskin. Well, don't, yeah, for sure. It <laughs> Shatters the case. But, anyway. Like, I felt like, if anything, I'm not in a new wineskin. I'm in a dirty wineskin because it doesn't conform to the righteous yeah. ideals that I used to have. And I'm having sinful thoughts that don't conform. And now I look at it differently where I feel like my faith has been challenged and it's a lot different than it used to be. But... I feel like I'm probably um, in a more true relationship with God than I have ever been. Yeah. You know, if that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think that the church would believe that. Yeah. I don't think that like, they would understand that. Your community that. probably wouldn't see you as a person with a strong faith in God. They would probably yeah. see you as apostate. A wanderer, or <laughs> yeah, or a backslider or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just things that I don't... <laughs> I, I just don't prescribe to her anymore. And, like, I say that, like, community as, like, this big, broad stroke, but I have people in that community that I'm still really close with, and they, they're they not part of the the global church that I'm kind of judging. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, <laughs> yeah. there are definitely people in there that I'm like, yeah. they're wonderful, they're my mentors, I still keep them in my life, they yeah. love me, they don't push me away and all that stuff. But I think when we talk about the church in general... We, we think of it a lot differently than just these specific people. That... I think but this is the problem. So, and um, I might delve into this at some point in our series, but this is part of the problem is that when we actually, we can talk about the church as an entity yeah. because that's who we got messaging from. Yeah. So it's from various pulpits, yeah. from, like through camps, through retreats, yeah. through youth, yeah. um, you know, conventions, whatever. Mm-hmm. So in the period of your life, you were submitted to various pulpits yeah. and various teachers and mm-hmm. traveling missionaries and whatever. And the books that are promoted and in those Christian bookstores. So the stores, church yeah. is like this culture of the do's and don'ts and the hardware that yeah. we're talking about, this black yes. and white framework, yeah. that makes it difficult because sometimes when you're talking about individuals in churches, mm-hmm. there's this individual who was always, you know, gave you a bit of space for grieving or yeah. Or, yeah. or this individual who was actually quite lenient. Mm-hmm. or um, But as a whole, yeah. the wealth of like, or I should say not the wealth, the wall of, of what is the right thing to do and how to yeah. form your ideas yeah. and how to relate to your culture and how to is overwhelmingly clear of yeah. these sort of judgmental ways of going on. Right. And so I think that that makes it hard is because... Um, you have grievances with the church yes. and this messaging. Yes. And then you're reminded of, oh, but little like Betty that's 82 years old, yeah. you know, she's so sweet. And yeah. And so that actually, in a, in a way, it's almost like a gaslighting. Absolutely. Where there's yeah. this structural yeah. issue yeah. at play that is sending very clear messages. The fact that you and I didn't even go to the same church. Yeah. And you, in fact, spent time in the States. Yes. And yeah, we have the same messaging. Yeah. There's a uniformity to that sort of brain control. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily translate into slight individuals within our communities. Right. But it's so then it's hard to know where to place your rage sometimes. I think that that's what it is. You you want to have um, a clear, specific target. target. And it's like, (laughs) I have a lot of grievances with the church in general, a lot. And I think people from our generation and even younger certainly do. I think that's why they're leaving en masse the church. And maybe the church doesn't even talk about that. Last time I was in a church, they were talking about how many people were coming to faith. And I just wanted to like put up my hand and be like, I think that we need to look at statistics here. (laughs) Like maybe in your one missions trip, you had some converts, but overall young people are leaving the church 
a ton mm-hmm. because they cannot reconcile the grievances that they see from the church as a whole and they might love certain people who are in the church and they're wonderful and they know that but they can't keep going to this organization institution that doesn't comply with the values that they have and doesn't actually give room Mm. for them to live life be a human being have grace figure things out without them being ostracized yeah and i think actually an interesting thing too is like you and i touched on before like this idea of the world this evil sinful whatever place and that's part of the problem is that the culture that we, the church culture that we grew up in, mm-hmm. various pulpits and preachers and whatever, is not only one that the world is this awful, untrustworthy, yeah. um, biased, rebellious place. Like it's mm-hmm. all in rebellion mm-hmm. against God. Yeah. Um, but two, like what that does is it creates a, an unwillingness to actually listen to the world's statistics. Like you right. said, let's look at statistics yeah. or let's look at, but it also means that if you step outside of that circle, yeah. it doesn't matter if you define yourself as stepping outside of that circle, yeah. the people in the circle define it. Yeah. So if you're perceived as stepping outside of the circle, you, mm. you're you not a trustworthy source of information. Yeah. You're in rebellion against God. Yeah. So even if you're sitting with someone saying, do you actually want to know why people are leaving the church? Yeah. Let's have a conversation about this construct of Jesus, this construct that through 2,000 years of, mm-hmm. of politics, yeah. money, and power, yeah. um, changing various hands throughout history, this right. construct of Christ has been molded and shaped and formed and twisted and altered or whatever mm-hmm. uh, in various ways, in various people's hands. Um, and let's talk about that and how yeah. people are having a problem with that construct. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like, oh, no. No. You know. Yeah. You can't. You're, you know, we get our truth directly from 2,000 years ago. We are anthropologists who have just beamed into 2,000 years ago, done a mass ethnographic study, and we know exactly what was meant and said. Yeah. Our interpretation is correct. Yeah. And their interpretation is kind of correct, but a little off. You know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So what about, um, I wonder if we have time to do a second, a second trigger. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, you start. I guess that what I want to know from you is what is your faith like today? You're a cheater. You were supposed to start. Oh no, I'm <laughs> asking you. You asked okay, me fine, a question okay. and I got to okay, respond fine. first. So I'm asking you this question is how, do you believe in God now? And what is your faith today? Like, how would you describe your faith today? That is a good question. Um... I think that whatever God looks like is good. Mm-hmm. I do think that I think that miracles happen through community. I think yeah, that active love, people. yeah, active love and forgiveness and grace actually changes people mm-hmm. um, to restore them. Yeah. Um, my version of God is really broad right now. Yeah. Um, because I have to believe that he's good or she's good or it's good. Yeah. I can't accept, I can't say God is good and kind and all loving when only a tiny fraction of, um, people are ever lucky enough to, uh, experience that love or that kindness or that acceptance. Mm -hmm. The idea that somehow magically and disproportionately um, certain people in North America or whatever would yeah. be lucky enough to to be handed the Pentecostal God, <laughs> right? Yeah. you know, yeah. over someone who grew, grew up in the middle of India or mm-hmm. in China. Mm-hmm. And somehow I'm lucky enough that somehow I get to build my whole life off of the one true God who is right. a very specific Pentecostal Version. God who wants these certain things of me and yeah. doesn't want me to have sex before I'm married and thinks swearing is atrocious and, yeah. you know, and yeah. thinks Halloween is of the devil. Like, <laughs> this is the God yeah. that I'm supposed to think is, like, so broad and so amazing and yeah. so good yeah. um, that somehow every little, like child somewhere else who isn't lucky enough to be exposed to that Mm -hmm. is seen to be of the world and in sin and um, rejected and so my idea of God is very broad yeah generally 
there is goodwill there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How involved, how not involved, that I hold fairly loosely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even know uh, how much that matters. Yeah. And I think that that, like, I, I'm on a spectrum of sort of of moving away from that really rigid, tiny yep. um, God that I thought was, like, literally picking out what jeans I might wear in, yep. in a given day. Yep. When I would go to the store, maybe I needed to buy something, I'd yeah. pray that God would maybe help me find the thing I needed to buy. Oh, Never yeah. mind that, like, yeah. you know, children are, like, mass starving across oh, the world. Totally, but God yeah. was going to help me find the right pair of jeans. He helps me find parking spots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, total ridiculousness so yeah so my idea of god is very broad mm-hmm. um and has moved along that trajectory of not broad at all very mm-hmm. tiny very mm-hmm. rigid very controlled very picky yeah um very human-like yeah um about oh you shouldn't be doing this and this is this and you know what I'll, for- I'll forgive you yeah i'll forgive you but first you know you have to pray and first you have to like repent and you know and fast and, and fast a and certain do amount it. of time has to pass before <laughs> you feel better <laughs> exactly yeah so like all these little like hoops and jumps and yeah. petty humany things um and now i'm at the place where i'm just like god doesn't give a crap about any of that i don't think god even is on the scale of caring about you know um those minutiae of you know daily happenings Mm -hmm. um if god did care about something i would say that they would care about something that is like systemic oppression (laughs) (laughs) or people not not having access to food and water or you know and are you at peace with where you are in your faith more at peace than i ever was okay Uh, and maybe that's at peace with myself i think those two go hand in hand sure yeah um, the least at peace with myself and the least comfortable I ever was with myself in my own skin as mm-hmm. a woman um, was when God was the smallest and the yeah. most quote-unquote holy. And um, there was a song, I don't know if you ever remember hearing it, but I forget who wrote it. Um, maybe it'll come to me, but it was yeah. called um, Let Me Not Forget to Tremble. And it was about you know, have I dared to come to God too casually? Hmm. You know, have I dared to like enter his holiness and not think I'm going to be basically, you know, struck dead Mm -hmm. with his holiness and Mm -hmm. my inferiority. So yeah, that kind of relationship with God is bye bye. (laughs) (laughs) Because it actually affected me physically, like negatively. Yeah. Uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, mm-hmm. you know, at some point your body just gives out when your version of God demands so much pettiness from you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that for me, I'm not at peace with my faith. I think that I'm definitely still in that struggle and that tension of trying to figure out where I'm going to land. And there's part of me that still wonders if this is going to be part of my testimony where I'm just going to revert back to everything and I'll be able to tell this story of how I backslid and how I had been so deceived and and then and then something happened and then I saw the truth and now I'm, I'm back to where I should be but at the same time like before I had some of these earth shattering events in my life I I didn't feel um bad about my faith I loved my faith and everything felt stable you know so I do miss that but I don't think that I will ever get that back you know like I think that there's part of the human heart that wants that again like that longing to be secure and that longing to have stability and everything but there's a maturity that comes when you've lived life and you know the pain that can happen and you know the surprises that can happen without warning and you can no longer walk forward in the world unknowing Mm -hmm. and so even though i would love to kind of just revert back into this old version of myself and be at peace again with my faith i don't have the freedom to do that because i've lived life yeah you know and so i kind of wonder where this journey will take me but i'm i'm more pleased that i'm um having a more honest relationship with God than I ever have. Because before, I don't think it was a relationship of my own. Mm -hmm. I think this one is maybe one of my own that I'm forging for myself. And it comes with a lot of give and take and uh, 
things that I think are true one day and then I change my mind the next. And I get really weary about that because, you know, there's these scriptures of everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes instead of what's truly (laughs) right. And I just think like, well, I'm never going to know if I'm doing what's right in everybody else's eyes or my own or what's truly right. So I just have to do what I feel at peace Mm -hmm. with God's given me free will to live according to what I know the best I can. And if I'm backsliding and if I'm doing everything wrong, if he really is an all loving God, hopefully he's looking at my heart. There hopefully will be space and for that. Hopefully there's room for that. Because, yeah. yeah, I think that my view of God has gotten a lot bigger too, where it's like, you know, I don't think that he's sitting waiting to smash me with the hammer of judgment for having sex outside of marriage. I think that he's more interested in my heart and my relationship with him and just the big world that's out there. I do believe that he works through people. I don't think there's probably a single story in the Bible that I can think of where he didn't work a miracle in partnership with a human. And yet we have this expectation of God that he is just going to pull strings on his own without being involved with us. Yeah. Um, So I feel like I'm in this stage where... I'm not at peace with my faith. I don't know really what's going on, but I'm also kind of okay with that. I'm on an adventure, and it's better than just being naive and kind of going off the motions. And I think you and I talked about this before, and I know that I've talked about it with another friend of mine, but there is a certain happiness with youth um, that comes from that life in the church. Yeah. Because it is rigid, because it is controlled, mm-hmm. um, you're always meeting the same people, the same messages are yeah. constantly reinforced yeah. to you. You go home to the same messages very when you consistent. have it. Yeah, it's very consistent. <laughs> yeah. And consistency is good for humans. We mm-hmm. need it. Um, and consistency makes us feel safe. Mm-hmm. Frameworks and boundaries make us feel safe. Community is good for us. Totally. There's yeah. a lot of things there that in their structure yeah. are good and make us feel safe and, and normal. Yeah. Um, but like you said, the problem is, is when you start living. And the yeah. problem is, is when you step outside of the confines of that town, yeah. of that specific church, of that youth yeah. group. Um of sort of a very set, clear relationship of this person is a quote unquote on fire for God Christian mm-hmm. and they're a worship leader and, yeah. you know, and you, you're going to be the pastor's wife or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. the ideal sort of relationship. And so you look back because it was like, I have the same. I'm like, wow, I, ha- I had a very happy childhood. If anyone yeah. ever asked me, do you, do you have a happy childhood? Mm-hmm. They'd say, yes, of course. Like not mm-hmm. if my parents were wonderful, of course, um, you know, youth group was a blast Mm -hmm. this was all fantastic yeah the problem is is that constructions like that it's like living in a compound yeah and it's not it doesn't really prepare you it doesn't prepare you prepare you and it's not reality so instead of being learning resilience and learning tools and learning um how to navigate life Mm -hmm. you're just keeping life away (laughs) yeah oh yeah it's like don't worry about um, what to do with big questions in life and hard issues. Mm-hmm. Just don't go to a secular university. Just yeah. don't ever leave this yeah. town. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just don't, you know, as yeah. long as you don't question anything, and yeah. as long as you always go to this church and always stay in this community and you never travel and you never have heartbreak or death or anything, yeah. which not a lot of people don't have the kind of tragedy that you had. Most mm. of us survive with our parents intact. Yeah. So you didn't even go out of the community. No, I didn't. Life found you in the community. But I would also argue, too, that no matter how much we try to hide in that bubble, in that community, life finds you. It will get you. And like, for sure. <laughs> like, for all the Christians who are on fire for God, who are listening to this, who are thinking like... I will never turn away or I will never question God. I guarantee you there will be a life event that you will walk through no matter how steadfast you are with God or the church that will make you question and doubt and refine your faith. But here's the thing, though, is I also think that that is a kind of a value hierarchy because depending on the type of event Mm -hmm. that happens... I think some people think that that kind of stuff can just be put in a box. 
So the the turmoil of an event Mm -hmm. and the chaos of faith that that creates, for some people, it's not good enough. You have to find the truth. Mm -hmm. And I always have felt that way, even though my idea of God is quite broad now. When Mm -hmm. I was first coming out of it, I was like, the reason I'm here and the reason I'm walking away is because God is leading me away. Like, I am actually actively following truth. I am trying to find what God is actually and what he is actually saying and where, and he is showing me where those contradictions are out of what I came out of. So I always felt quite not confident in, in leaving the faith that I had had as the child that was safe and happy and Mm -hmm. and constricted. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't, that was difficult. That's very difficult, especially when you have hell under your feet because hell threatens you with flames and violence, essentially. Yes. So I was in turmoil, actually. Mm -hmm. Like I was losing hair. I I wasn't sleeping. I was, um, it was traumatic to be uncertain of where your soul is going to land. Yeah. And if you have space to navigate that. Yeah. But I felt generally confident that I was following truth. Yeah. That there was yeah. something that made sense and was logical and clear and more in tune and in harmony yeah. with the inner workings of myself and who I had imagined God to be. Yeah. Um, I think this, that yeah. is so huge because as you're saying this, this is really profound to me that for us and even for the millions of young people who have been leaving the church and who are orphans of the church who still believe in God but can't prescribe to a lot of the minutia could it be true that God is saving them from a very um unhealthy organization that doesn't represent him well yeah and and like I I love that thought, and I do think that if God is love, which I believe that he is, and he loves us, of course he is pursuing us, no matter where we are. And if he wants what's best for us, I'm not sure right now. Actually, I would say I'm confident that in probably 99% of the churches in North America, the the best place for people is not there. Yeah. It is not there. Well, it's certainly not the best place for you if you're gay or if you at all yeah. have any sort of um, propensity to too much alcohol or Or anything. if you have any <laughs> unique feature that doesn't totally. prescribe to the social contract. Completely. You know, like... If you can find a church that celebrates your unique personhood and gives you space to be human with grace, great. Like, I celebrate that. Go for it. Yeah. I just think that most of the churches, especially if you go on social media and see what their congregants are writing in this political arena, yeah. what they say about Trump or not about Trump, like, it's just very um, alarming to me that Christians these days... Um, can support something that looks so different than the Jesus that I've read that about. That was supposed to be upheld. Yeah. But I think that's an interesting thing. Um, and I, just to go quickly back, what I was going to say is that some people can, um, some people have to follow the truth out. Yeah. And so that, that yeah. disruption leads them away from whatever that moment was in their life, mm-hmm. leads them away from church. Yeah. For some people, they have that moment, that life moment yeah. um, that shakes everything up. But they go, I just don't know. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. The value hierarchy kicks in of like, yeah. I prefer safety. Yeah. I prefer community. I need and I prefer, I will box this away and shove yeah. it deep down into my soul mm-hmm. and I will never deal with it again. Um, and those people don't get healed. Those people yeah. don't progress in their growth, but they, they've traded that, mm-hmm. the pursuit of truth. They've traded that for the safety of their community yeah. and the safety of that rigid black and white framework that we were talking about. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying they, they're, they're bad people. or I'm no. not saying that. I'm just yeah. saying I think that they're, everyone, yes, will have a life event, yeah. but some people that is incompatible for them mm-hmm. to stick within that box. They yeah. have to follow yeah. it out. For yes. some people, they take that trade off and it's like, I've invested my life in this. I my house, yeah, I chose I my house here yeah. because of this community. Yeah. I, I gave up this job because of I this get community. That. And so I think for a lot of people that's why they're there is because that 
they have too yeah. much invested. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess it's like too costly I, to, I support to follow that. Truth. You know, like I think that my story and probably your story is that to follow God and to unravel the truth and a relationship with God in in our way, we had to walk away for a bit from the church or in our own way. But if if that's not somebody else's story and they need the room and the space to have a, a different story, you know, like I, I totally support that journey. And I think that if you, there are going to be people across the spectrum and some people are going to stay in the church and try to box away that event, like you said, but it might only be for a season while they're actually healing from the initial trauma. And then it's like slowly that stuff is going to bubble up and they're going to deal with it in you their own way. You can't not deal with stuff. Yeah. And this is what we're always told in church too. Yeah. It's like, you can't not deal with sin, right. but we kind of have this idea that somehow sin is the only thing, whatever's labeled a sin, which mm-hmm. changes with every, you know, historical period yeah. of what is sin or women showing ankles is dirty or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, you yeah. know, so that changes. But but whatever is sin, um, we've always been taught that that can't be boxed. Mm. You know, that that will bubble up. It will manifest. Yeah. It will grow. The light the will show will, it. The light will reveal it. Mm-hmm. But we don't think about that way with trauma. We don't or think fear, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or um, mental traps, like from a child of how you processed dealing with other people, how you yeah. processed um, dealing with family, how you processed... Uh, conflict. Mm-hmm. We never think that if you don't deal with those things, those aren't sin. But yeah. if you don't deal with those things, they also they will manifest. They don't in your go life. anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. remain stunted. Yeah. So you can box that stuff and not follow that traumatic life event to new truths mm-hmm. or the truth, yeah. whatever you want to say. But it doesn't mean it went away. No. Yeah. So I guess like overall, I'm trying to think of like a good package to to put all of what we've talked about, like in a couple sentences is life happens and that can take you down any road and that we would encourage people to follow that unique journey. And if you stay in the church or if you don't stay in the church, however you want to pursue God or find truth for yourself, that we would encourage you to do that. We would encourage you to dive in and do internal work see for yourself and not be so scared that your your faith would be so fragile or that God would be so fragile that you would be left to hell. Yeah, and just to add to that, I think to really um, ask yourself and to always ask yourself, what kind of a God is it that abandons you to hell when life happens and you dare ask a question or you end up through life that you have to live with your own emotions, your own uh, pain, your own unique set of circumstances that you respond with the only tools that you have Mm -hmm. in the only way that you, you can in that moment with the books and the information and the community that you have around you, you respond in the best way that you know how and somehow for that your reward is either heaven or hell Hmm. and i think wow that is a terrible god (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know if that were a father and you know doesn't seem like a good gift that's not a good dad like if if your dad said you know well you're only three years old I've given you, you know, a toy duck and a hammer yeah. and an apple. Mm-hmm. Try and, you know, build this house correctly. Right. You know, and you, yeah. the three-year-old picks up the duck and it's like, well, this is all I really understand. Yeah. Well, that's wrong. The house has now collapsed and you've done a crap <laughs> yeah. job and hell yeah. for you. I'm going to throw you in a pit that I built in the yeah. backyard. Right. Well, it's like... Again, we're always like the church always compares us to children that we know nothing, that we are so far below God that why wouldn't he expect us to be picking up ducks all the time and just being like, is this the right thing for like making my house? I don't know. I'm doing the best I can. Exactly. Help me. And then somehow the reward for that is like a pit that he's dug in the backyard for eternity. You only get like, you know, most people on this planet for most of history didn't live beyond like 30 years right so you get 30 years to figure out how not to use a duck and if you didn't suck less (laughs) you know try not to suck less yeah Yeah. otherwise no otherwise for eternity you get to like be separated from me for the 30 years that you only the first 10 years is when you have any sort of 
you know, cognitive abilities to process the world around you, yeah. then you have another 20 years of being a parent and working yourself to the bone with your oxen and your whatever. <laughs> and if the bubonic plague doesn't get you. Or maybe it did. Maybe, maybe it did. It did. <laughs> yeah. It's so illogical and it's so cruel. And again, if we're talking about points, like points that really made you stop and go, oh, yeah. you would never put a child with a father like that. No. You know. No. Not at all. And yet somehow we're expected to believe that this is the work of a, a loving, kind, yeah, omniscient, omnipotent, you right. know, being. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. No. But sorry, that wasn't supposed to be our conclusion. Of, no. It our, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't our make any sense. Was much better. <laughs> search for yourself. Yes. But yeah, it. I would argue that God, if he's there, which I think that he is, he's He's pretty loving dude, or girl, or it, or presence. We're holding but, he very loosely. Yeah, I hold he, yeah. <laughs> I, but yeah, I think that he's good. You know, I think that that's kind of what messed me up in some of my, my own faith walk, is thinking that only a, a really abusive dick would do these things to me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not down for that. Yeah. So. Didn't sign up for that part yeah, of it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not down for an evil God. <laughs> and, and this has been our, this is our message yeah. for everyone out there today. <laughs> we will leave it at that and talk to each other again next time, maybe in a week or so. We hope you all enjoyed this. Uh, we certainly enjoy talking our brains out every yeah. time we see each other. So. And if there's any forum, we, we'll post this somewhere and if there's a way for you to message us, if you relate to any of this, we'd love to hear from you guys too.